Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a great week working with your players all around the world. Over the last week or so at PDP, we've published some great new content, including a fascinating research review from our resident professor, Bill Harper, on skill acquisition, creative behavior, and session design. And this is well worth a read. We've also got a new session plan live on the site called Fast Finishing. This is a really good small-sided game designed to work on close-range finishing and combination play, and it's adaptable for players of various ages and abilities. We're also really pleased to announce that Tony Reddings has joined the new PDP Mentor Program. Based in Auckland, New Zealand, Tony is a former New Zealand women's head coach. He holds a pro license and has attended multiple women's World Cups and Olympic tournaments. Now working at High Performance Sport New Zealand, Tony's got a huge range of experience. So if you're looking for a mentor to help with your coaching, head to playerdevelopmentproject.com, click the green banner at the top of the page and find out more about the new PDP Mentors Program we've got a range of mentoring options for coaches. With that said, this week's podcast is a Q&A discussion where Dan Wright and I answer a challenging community question which focuses on the social side of sport and a player who appears to be quite unhappy in the environment which indicates that perhaps there's some issues going on behind the scenes. There's lots to consider in this discussion and hopefully some ideas for you if this issue arises in your group. I hope you enjoy the conversation and as always you can head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com and sign up to access all of our coaching content. Hi everyone, welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. As usual, I'm joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright to tackle another community question. Dan, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to a really interesting conversation here and uh, we'll get to the question shortly. But first, how's your week been and what have you been up to? Yeah, week's been good. Um, weather's starting to get a bit better in the UK, so we're getting outside, getting on the grass a little bit. Um, really excited this week because I've got some tickets to the FA Cup semi-finals. So I'm a big Wolves fan, so I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, just working out the logistics, but we're, we're hoping we can see a Wolves team in the FA Cup final. That would be a good week for me. How yeah, about that, you? That's very exciting. I do miss the uh, the uh, culture of football over there. It is fantastic. And uh, they've had a hell of a season, so it's really good. I hope you enjoy it. Um, over here down in Melbourne, it's been fantastic. Um, really good performance from the boys that I'm working with on the weekend, so delighted with that. Got some good things happening in the program there. And, uh, yeah, just had a really nice performance where the boys put some challenges together and, and, and sort of showed some great knowledge transfer and, and went out and put in particularly a really good second-half performance. So some good strides being made with the group. And then on the PDP front, some new content on the site this week, which has been really good in the form of session plan, research reviews, and so on, um, and plenty more coming up in the month of April. So, yeah, pretty busy and uh, looking forward to this question. So let's get to it. Um, it's come in from Michael via email, and I've had a little bit of conversation with Michael on email about this. And the question is a little bit long, but I am going to read it because it provides context. And we've both agreed that it's a very real situation that can come up in football environments or sporting environments. So the question is, uh, I have a challenge with an under-14 player. The player doesn't smile and does not get on with the rest of the team, and it seems to be for an unknown, unknown reason. I'm new to the club, and I'm still getting to know the players. We've been together for two months and all the players are getting on great except for this one player and I've tried really hard to motivate and reassure the player that it's about player development and teamwork. How would you handle this situation as it's starting to affect the team's harmony? 
So a few things to consider, obviously in terms of the age, which Dan, particularly with your work, you'll be very familiar with the challenges that go with under 14s and 13s and that kind of teenage bracket. And then obviously some conflict, which is potentially going on. So lots to, lots to weigh up. What are your sort of first thoughts around this one? Yeah, I think the, the first thing is we're not really talking about football here, are we? Like, although maybe football is the vehicle and that's where you're seeing it, um, we're talking about a young person and we're talking about behaviour. <clears throat> so there's probably lots of layers to this story. Um, my initial kind of uh, attack would be to, to understand what's going on with the player off the pitch, kind of family life, school life, home life, what that looks like, because probably what we're seeing is just kind of the tip of the iceberg, the behaviour that you're seeing. Um, you know, in a 5v5, 77 training session um, or not interacting with the players is probably a reflection of the stuff that's going on off the pitch. Um, yeah, that'd be, that'd be my quick my quick guess. How about for you? Yeah, I think I would sort of tackle it straight away with, uh, if I was in the, the coach in this position, I'd be asking, why is the player at football? Um, I think that's, mm. a, that's a sort of starting point for me. Um, I think it's important to consider that at times young people can be pushed into organized sport when perhaps they don't really want to be. Um, the, you know, maybe this, this player is particularly over football and, and maybe doesn't want to be there. Or maybe there's some social issues within the group. Um, I think there's a huge amount uh, on the website around the influence of sociocultural constraints and the, the sort of broader environment that goes on around the player. And there's something going on here which is obviously concerning to Michael and, and needs to be addressed. So if you were in this situation, what would be the first steps for you in terms of trying to remedy this and, and help the, uh, the individual who's struggling? Yeah, I think the first step for me would probably to have a one-to-one -one with the, the individual. Um, like I said, to try and understand the why or, or, or their football background of how they got to where they are. Um, and, and then maybe talk about what it is they want to get out of it. Like, why are you here and, and what does you know what does success look like for you? Um, I would then be keen to touch base with the parents and understand maybe whether it's the parents that want it a bit more than the, than the child um, and maybe get an understanding of what this child's like in different circumstances so different environments so what's he like at school what's he like at home and whether this is a club specific problem or is this a uh, you know something that follows the individual around at school and then I think maybe you're, you're then talking about what, what the environment what's the kind of the, the, the structure or the social construction of your environment like what, what are the things that we're looking for and, and, and what do we accept and what don't we accept and, and where that behavior fits in because I think maybe there's a um, an awkwardness about enforcing some of those kind of um, standards or rules but mm. essentially if, if you've got a group of 15 16 players and we're all pulling in one direction apart from one player you need to refer back to to what it looks like in our club so that would kind of be the three the three nuggets for me having a one-to-one -one with the player and understanding their individual journey a bit more mm. maybe getting some context from parents and, and teachers maybe if you could if that if that's appropriate and then what you know what do we expect at our club and keep referring back to that when you talk to the individuals so you know we expect teamwork or we expect you to communicate positively with with people and and uh, you know the i suppose the the hard line or the end point of this is there has to be some kind of logical consequences if that's not taking place yeah and i think it'll get to a point where some decisions have to be made around whether it's the right thing for the player to be in the environment um, obviously within academy football sometimes players get released or they get signed and often the release can be because at this time the environment is not what's best for that individual now i'm not saying this is the same example but 
after this process that you're potentially going to go through as a coach, there may need to be an outcome where the player continues because he or she's happy to do so. Or maybe it's best that this player finds another club or potentially chooses another sport if they're really not enjoying it. And I think we've got to go back to the whole premise that sports should be fun. And, and if this player is miserable and not happy and it's affecting team harmony, then there's, there's sort of a consequence, um, you know, or I guess an outcome that may emerge. I think the other thing to consider is that I agree with you 100% on the, the one-to-one with the player. I think that's a great starting point. I think if you start by immediately involving the parents, then perhaps that could be threatening to the player. Oh, well, it's just adults coming in over the top here and they don't understand me. There could be a lot of anxiety that goes on for the player. But in order to get to that one-to-one, given the context of where Michael's at with the season, maybe it's going to take a little bit more time. So I think there's got to be some trust built up here between a relatively new coach in this environment and the player who may not know the coach that well yet. So any opportunity that Michael can get to potentially have conversations around what other interests this player's got, how their day's been, what's going on, is everything okay at home, just on the run, not making it a sort of formal sit down, um, could start to build some trust and understanding and that this player could start thinking, actually, this coach really does care and this coach is interested in more than just you know putting out the cones and putting a practice on. Um, so I think that that may take a little bit of time to get to that, but let's assume that over the next couple of weeks or, or months, Michael can get to that point. How would you start the one or the one-on-one conversation? I think I would try and talk to them about non-football stuff first. So, you know, how are things, how's school, you know, and I like to then lead into like, what's your football journey been? So what was your first football experience and try and understand, you know, why they love the game and, and you know, how they've got to where they've got to being an under 14 in their club. So did they start early or did they take the sport late? What team do they support? You know, have you always played in these positions? Because then you might see the spark of, of why they're here. Um, and then um, I would lead into like, how do you think it's going at the moment? Because I think maybe the one angle we've overlooked here is that the player, the individual we're talking about, might think everything's fine. Mm. It might, they might have a perception that their behaviour is good, their performance is good and, you know, what's the problem? So it might be making sure that the reality, you know, you're seeing the, the world through the same lens. So when you sit down with the player, like, you know, how are the games going? How's training going? You know, do, you, do you think you're getting on with your teammates? You know, or, or, or you know, skillful questions like that so that you could then get into, well, actually, we think there's a bit of room for improvement here or, you know, focus on the positives of these are the things you're doing well and, and these are the development you know points that we could we could work on. And then when you talked about kind of the coach's behaviour, I think the coach has got to, He's got to be authentic. He's got to be honest, and he's got to be kind of transparent, and and, and make sure that he is um, he is building that trust, but also not being walked over. So there has to be a point where they go, you know, this bit's great, but that behaviour there was unacceptable, and I'm going to call you out on it. And then you know, just repeating that so that the player doesn't feel like the coach is always kind of on him or at him. It's now this is what we do in the club. So I love these bits, but this bit needs to get a bit better. Mm. The first time you do that, that will be be really difficult. I've worked with a few players who initially. The, the, their behaviour didn't kind of match my values or didn't match the club's values. And so I was really honest with them. as was like, I love this bit and I love this bit, but this part doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of over a, a six-month period, the relationship became really strong because I think, like you said, the trust was built and they kind of say, okay, well, you know, Dan is consistent with, with these things. And if they can, if they can conform to, to what's needed in the, in the environment, um, then, then we can both get success. But it, but it is a, it can be a, a fine line to tread and, and there's times where you've got to have a deep breath and, and walk away and think about what you're going to say because you know we're, as coaches we can be emotional too so you don't want to be sucked into to saying the wrong thing at the wrong time 
Yeah, you touched on an interesting point there around, you know, I guess the harmony angle and just, I guess, the cohesion between players. And I think one of those clever questions you could ask could be around, well, who are your friends in the group? You know, is there anyone you particularly get along with? Because in, re- in reality, most team environments or most staff within a business or most staff within a football club, you're not going to get along brilliantly with everybody. That's just life. You're going to have relationships um, where you get along with different people, uh, I guess, better. But in this instance, asking that question may mean that you can sort of look at some of those social dynamics and perhaps even just casually talk to the player. Let's say they identify one or two players, say, oh, yeah, I get along with those two, all right. Um, well, maybe it could be, oh, you know, how, how have you noticed, um, you know, this player's traveling or just have those sort of, again, informal conversations. The other thing that, you know, I guess if we go away from the fact that this is a problematic player, so we, on one hand, we could say, okay, there's certain behaviors and values that aren't being lived and, and sort of standards that aren't being met. And that is an issue if somebody's playing up in the group and it's affecting others. But there could be something more at play here where perhaps this, this child is being bullied Perhaps there's something going on at school. Perhaps there's a social problem within the group. Um, and there could be even things like anxiety or depression at play um, as they start to get into those teenage years. And maybe this player is just really scared of being in the environment. Maybe they're not feeling that autonomy and competence and getting success. So potentially that's isolating them. Um, so you, I guess you've got to go both ways. And one of the things I said to uh, Michael on email was that if you do have a, a club welfare officer or somebody within your, your state federation or, or the, you know, the local borough, potentially go and talk to them about what the best steps are because it may be something that is beyond just the coaching as you touched on at the start. So I think those things need to be considered. Um, But let's take the other example you sort of touched on around the values not being lived. If this is just a player misbehaving, obviously there'd be reasons for that behavior. And again, it could be any of those variables we've touched on. But outside of just the conversation, how would you I guess, start to get the buy-in of that player back in terms of bringing those values into line. I mean, honesty is one thing you've touched on, but are there any other avenues you go down? Yeah, I think um, this is where, you know, club philosophies or club documents become important because if we truly believe the values that are on the, the, the PowerPoint slides, then then we should be living them and we should be using them in and around training. So um, an example, a really simple example could be, and I do this with my group, is uh, we have... Uh, we split them into four kind of subgroups and three of the four groups have to do a job so they one of them does balls bibs and cones one of them does water bottles one of them does match day kit one of them has a month off because mm. i'm not an ogre um <laughs> and, and we um and we rotate those jobs um and at the beginning of the season i explained to the players why you know why that was important and i tried to do it more organically where i said these are the jobs that need doing you pump up the balls you bring them to training you take some responsibility and accountability for your for your session and that didn't really work it was too much freedom so we gave them kind of three weeks of okay well, well who's doing the water bottles or who's doing the kit or you get the same two or three boys doing it but if accountability uh, or taking responsibility for our stuff is one of our values mm. then when we move those jobs around we can hold people accountable so you know these balls are flat or you haven't brought the footballs out or you've brought some of the bibs so that's been a really interesting way to to drive some conversations between players because you do get one that will do all the balls and yeah. you get two oh i've got a nip off or you know i'm just going to the toilet or yeah. turning up late for training like every excuse you've ever heard and what i tend to do is i change it every month at the beginning of the month i bring those four in and say like this is your job for the month how you divide it is up to you but i don't want to see one person doing it all the time mm. and then you might get some really positive role modeling as well so you might get one boy that turns into a leader or somebody that holds you know another player accountable so there's, there's loads of ways to do that and 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 
kind of football way of doing it, if you've got a player that's not fitting in socially, is to think about the groups that you manufacture. So if you're yeah. doing a rondo, you can put boys into certain groups and you might put uh, boys that are more kind of working together and getting on in one group and boys that aren't or, or splitting up the, the players that are a bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of last idea that's popped in my head is if you've got a player in your group who is like the role model, the perfect example in terms of behaviour. So that's to be the best player, but in terms of behaviour, somebody that's, you know, always kind of on time and always polite and always hardworking, all the things that perhaps you value, that kind of culture carrier. It might be a good idea to try him, match him up with this individual that's having some problems, because if you can kind of trust this person in terms of their judgment and, you know, their values, then some of that might kind of bounce around between those two players and, and you know that friendship might grow, and it might be a positive influence on, on what he's doing. So, kind of a machine gun of fifteen ideas there, but <laughs> lots of lots of things. We basically getting kids to to talk to each other and, and um, yeah, open up that social corner a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think look, just about every team I can ever remember being involved in, there's always those two or three unbelievable characters who are the ones picking up the cones and so on. So, I like the idea of the challenge of of setting those tasks, and I also think that by building that trust over the next few weeks and potentially empowering the player with some leadership challenges, um, that could bring out the best in them and, and they could surprise you. So it could be interesting. And I think the other thing here is that Michael's demonstrated great self-awareness to sort of come to us with this question, to say, look, I've, I've identified this. He's aware of what's happening in the group. He's observed the dynamics between players and, and coach and so on. Um, I think it's important that you then look at your own sort of coach behavior. So is there anything, and I'm not, I'm not saying this at all is the factor, but could it be something that the coach has said or done which has disenfranchised this player? And often as coaches, we can say things off the cuff that perhaps you think, oh, should I have said that? Or, you know, we're all human and, and people can sort of have a slip of the tongue. So I think it's important that the self-awareness piece here from all of us as coaches is critical that, yes, this observation has been made. And what does the environment that we're sitting look like? And are we doing things that perhaps are affecting this player's enjoyment or confidence and by the nature of the conversation I've had I don't think that's the case but I think it's just a note to be aware of so you know I think anything that's going to empower the player um, start developing trust being honest with those conversations around standards and values and, and most importantly why they're there just going back to the one of the ideas we touched on at the top of the conversation around including the parents so again let's assume over the next few weeks things do get better and some trust trust sort of forms and develops then maybe you want to get the parent involved. How would you go about facilitating that conversation now that there's an extra party in there and there's a couple of adults having that chat, having that chat with the player? Yeah, um, I'd be tempted to do it without the player to start off with. Yep. I think you might get some more honesty. Um, I think when you call parents in, I think the initial kind of thought in their head is that the player's in trouble or has been naughty or something bad is going on. Yep. So maybe I would just try and open up a conversation where the parent talks more than the coach. So... Mm -hmm. You know, how are things going from your angle or, you know, how's Dave getting on at school or can you talk to me about what Dave's like, uh, you know, away from away from the football club? And then that might take you down some avenues of, um, oh, yeah, he's really struggling with X, Y, Z. Or, and then you could say, well, we've noticed something similar in the club or we've noticed that his behaviour is like that or isn't like that. And, you know, is there any, any things we can do? When you talked about the coach being self-aware, there might be really simple language or, um, intervention styles like this player might not like being called out in front of his mates so you might be doing a coaching style where you're really trying to help the player and stopping the practice and, and giving them technical detail but inside he might be he might be dying and might be embarrassed that you've, you've squashed him in front of his mates so it's just kind of aligning those visions so the more layers of context we get mm. um, 
whether it's from parents, whether it's from school, whether it's from the player himself, I think then you can try and build up a, a more colourful picture. So getting that context, um, kind of walking the walk is what you would say. So yeah. we've got our values and we've got our beliefs. Are we, are we following them? And then completing that loop of if the player's not matching the values that we believe to be true, how we how we transmit that back to the to the player and, and his parents and, and just keep going. And, it, and it's at what point do you kind of pull the player and say, you know, we talked about these things and you're not doing them and well, we talked about these things and they've got slightly better. Well done, keep going. So it's recognising when they do good behaviour as well. I think that's a skill with with problem players, if that's the right title. If you can catch them doing the things you want to do, um, I find that a lot more powerful. So from a technical point of view, if you've got lazy wingers or lazy number nines who maybe don't like defending, once you catch them doing something brilliant, so whether it's pressing or forcing players into an area or a recovery tackle, I tend to try and make a big deal of that because that might not be easy for them. Mm. So it's similar, I think, in the social corner. If you see them doing something that's positive, even if it's like a 1% improvement on what they normally do, yeah. if you can if you can recognise that, highlight it, whether you talk to them one-to-one or whether you, you know, say in front of the guys, like, that's brilliant because of X, Y, Z, I think then that behaviour might go in the, in the direction you want it to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to sort of wrap it up on the parent um, player conversation, I think if you, my, my view on that would be that if you did get in the room and you've perhaps spoken to the parent outside of that, and then you three of you do get in the room, um, perhaps it's about letting the player open up first. And I think it would be really important that the player could feel like they've got a voice in that scenario. And actually, yeah, I'm, I'm just really not enjoying it because of this, or this situation's happened at training and, and between, or there might've been a conflict between two players. And so giving yeah. the player the opportunity to speak up would be key. So really, really challenging topic. And I guess, look, you know, when a lot of people are working, um, starting out in coaching and working in those grassroots environments, we all go in there thinking about the sessions and the games and all the, the great stuff that goes on with whatever sport we're involved in. Um, but at times you can be put in that position where you have to be a leader and you have to, you know, sort of be the part-time psychologist and you have to try and motivate and all of these different areas that go with coaching uh, a really difficult challenge. So hopefully we've helped Michael there. Um, again, I, I would look at some content on the website, look at the work of Lara Mossman. Um, she, if you search Lara on the site, she's got a huge amount of exa- uh, examples of magazine articles, masterclass discussion, uh, and blog pieces where she's contributed around autonomy supportive environments. So would go to her and of course Jimmy Vaughan's work around um, the motivational climate. Obviously this is this is where his area of expertise is as well. So would recommend that Michael searches those. Dan, any final thoughts to help Michael just to wrap it up? Yeah, you've done superbly well to go through a whole Q and A without talking about legacy. I think the book <laughs> here would be would be perfect. Like um, I know you're uh, slightly biased with the, the Kiwi slant, but the, the book about kind of team building, holding values, making sure those values are lived, that, yeah. that book is excellent for this. So if the coaches kind of want to learn a bit more, I'd recommend uh, purchasing or downloading that because that book is a, is, a, is a really good one, isn't it, for this kind of stuff? It is, and we do have a book review of that on the site, funnily enough. Uh, I'll, have to remember, I'll have to remember who wrote <laughs> it. But uh, anyway, Dan, thank you again for your time. A really challenging uh, conversation and an interesting question from Michael. We wish him and the player in question all the best with that scenario. Thanks again for your time. No worries, mate. Enjoyed that. And we'll look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.